You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Romans 8, 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? Who can be against you? What person can stand against you? What can man do to you? Nothing that God wouldn't allow. And if you are killed, go to be with God. (laughs) You go into heaven of what we've been studying about. Nothing, no one can harm you. For we are all born for such a time as this. We've all felt insecure or helpless at some point. The question is, what do we do when we're at our wits end? In today's message, Pastor Dave wants you to know that if you want to conquer the things that are holding you back in life, turn to Christ and be set free from your burdens. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Esther chapter 4 as he continues his message, for such a time as this. We can't solve things with a new suit. The only thing we can solve things is when we put on Christ. When we put on Jesus Christ and Him. Let's go buy something. Problems start with buying things like cocaine. Temporary euphoria, but then all of a sudden there comes a problem. When we come down from the purchase of the new stuff, we always want to buy more. We have to buy more. It never ends. It never ends. I'm not saying that buying things are wrong. Don't get me, you know, but when you buy things out of the will of God, when you're buying something just to satisfy something inside, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Been there, done that. We can't do it. We cannot do it. Only God can satisfy that inner need. Only the Lord can satisfy that innerness that you have. The loss will try to cover up anything with a new suit. New suit of success. I'll get a new job. I'll move. I'll get a new boyfriend, new girlfriend. I'll go here. I'll go do all these things. I'll go to college. I'll do this. All these things, all this stuff we look at. Doesn't change who you are. Doesn't change the inside. Only Christ changes the inside. Only Christ changes the heart. You can't extemporaneously put everything in there and try to do it. It's got to come from within. It's got to come from Jesus Christ and him crucified. You got to look at the cross and know what happened there and go forward. But we, 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 are, we just try to do that so many times. Mordecai is smart enough to know that the suit isn't going to solve his problem. Good for him. And he rejects the suit. This allows him to get the message to the queen. I love the fact that the Lord is using Esther's servant, Hathach, and he doesn't even know it. I kind of like this. Let's look. We look at 5 and 9. Then Esther called Hathach the king's eunuchs. I think I just read that. No, he did. Anyhow. I doubt if he realized how important he was in this drama. I doubt if he realized just how important his role was. And I thought about this. I thought about this a lot. And how often, when the Lord works in our lives, does he use obscure people? How often has the Lord worked in your life by someone obscure? Someone you would never think he would would use? I mean, let, let let me ask you some questions. 
What was the name of the boy who had the seven loaves and fishes that Jesus used? Not named, is he? How about that? What were the name of the disciples that lowered Paul down on the wall of Damascus in a, in a basket? We don't know, do we? How about the little girl who told Naaman to go to the prophet in Israel to heal his leprosy? We don't know her name either, do we? No. God uses all sorts of people to accomplish his purpose in our lives. Many of them are obscure, but we remember them. And I have to tell you a story about a lady barmaid in Las Vegas. Years ago, the late 70s, I used to go to Vegas all the time. And I was sitting at the bar in Las Vegas. This is long before Jesus Christ in my life. And there was a barmaid there. And she was attractive. And she kept putting drinks in front of me. That's what they did. That's what they were supposed to do. So all of a sudden, she comes up to me and she says, would you like to get a table? Yeah, sure. I'd love to get a table. See, I'm on break next five minutes. I said, okay. So I go over and get a table. And she comes over and sits down to me. And she's carrying all these things. I didn't know what they were. She sat there for an hour and a half and witnessed Jesus Christ to me. Right there in the middle of the Sundance Casino Lounge in Vegas. I was spellbound. My man, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I was like, and she witnessed Jesus Christ for an hour and a half, and I let her. I didn't accept Christ then, but I remember her. I remember her. Now she's obscure. I have no idea who she was. I have absolutely no idea what her name is. But see, God uses obscure people in our lives. He uses obscure people in our lives to help us. And I think it's incredible that he does that. Esther realizes that Mordecai's rejection of the new suit is probably that there's a deeper problem that she needs to know about. So she sends poor Hatshat back out to find out what the grieving is all about. Mordecai explains to Hatshat, and he gives him a copy of the decree so he can explain to Esther. And he makes another request to the queen. He wants Esther to go into the person of the king and plead for appeal to the degree of slaughter of Jews. So he also gave a copy of the written decree, the instruction that was given to Sushan, that he might know it to Esther and explain to her that he might command her to go into the king and make supplication to him and plead before him for her people. That was back in verse 8. So Hasak returned and told Esther these words. He wants Esther now to go into the presence of the queen and plead that he would repeal the decree that had just gone out to slaughter the Jews. So she has this now, and she doesn't know what to do with it, and she's thinking about what to do with it. So she responds to Mordecai's message in 10 to 12. Then Esther spoke to Hatshak and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has put one law, put all to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter. He may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. So we're going back and forth here. This is the only way Mordecai can find out what's going on. And poor Hatsak, he's probably wondering what the heck's happening. He's probably getting tired of running back and forth. But he does a job. He does what he's supposed to do. He doesn't know he's doing God's will, but he's doing it anyhow. He's doing faithful because he's faithful to Esther. Esther has a problem with the last message. 
The king will put to death anybody that doesn't, that comes in unannounced. Anybody that he doesn't give the scepter to and basically allows to come into him. Anybody that comes in unannounced, they're gone. They're dead. You don't do that to a king. Unless he raised the scepter, a sign of approval, the visitor lost his head. So Esther tells Mordecai that, you know, I haven't even seen the king in 30 days. I haven't been invited to see with him. I don't even know where I stand with the king. I don't even know if I'm still his wife or whatever. I know I'm the queen. Keep in mind that all through these messages, there's no direct contact between Esther and Mordecai. Also, Esther could not sense the gravity of this situation or how Mordecai felt. And you know what I thought about this? You know what I started thinking about this? I thought I was thinking about texting. You have no idea how I'm feeling. You have no idea my mood. You have no idea because you're not seeing me face to face. All you're doing is reading something that I write. You might read something into it that's not there. You might take exception to something that I didn't mean to have you take exception of. You don't really know the situation because you're not face to face. That's what fellowship is all about. Fellowship is about being face to face, talking to one another in the love of the Lord, getting to know each other. You have a problem, you present it to that person. You talk to them. You pray with them. You get close to them. You know each other. And, and that's what fellowship is. This isn't fellowship. This is just texting back and forth. You know, you text back and forth. You're able to tell, you're able to tell somebody, oh, yeah, I think you're this and that and that. And then when you go, oh, then go, LOL. <laughs> what? Excuse me? They just called me a nerd, and then you went, LOL. I don't know, you know, hey, just kidding. I, that's crazy. We don't know the tone or the mood of the person. It makes a difference when you see their face. It makes a difference when you're talking to them, and, and, you, and, you, and you, when you're trying to say something to them, you can, you can judge what you're saying to them by their facial expressions. I can't hide anything with my facial expressions. B tells me that I'm always making crazy faces, and people go, ooh, I, I, I can't hide anything. I, that's just me. I, I can't hide myself. But we need to hear each other. We need to be in each other's company. We need to have a face-to-face -to, -face to talk. Even the telephone is hard because we don't, you know, but at least in telephone you can hear a voice. You can hear a anger or you can hear something in, in a voice in telephone. But in texting you can't get any of that. So Esther is going to explain to Mordecai what was going on. She basically reminded Mordecai what he already knew. Going to the king unannounced would put Esther's life in danger. Bottom line. So Mordecai now makes this plea to Esther, and he, in no uncertain terms, he makes this plea to Esther in verses 13 and 14. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I love that verse. I love that saying, for such a time as this. I love that. Mordecai is saying basically, you might die if you do and you might die if you don't. That's your choice. He reminds her that the decree is for the destruction of all Jews, her included. The king has been bound to the law with his last queen. And that what would make Esther think that she could get away with her? No, he was bound by this law. Mordecai proposes something else to her that is very, very interesting to me. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. 
but you and your father's house will perish. Looks like Mordecai is beginning to place his trust and faith in the Lord, doesn't it? It looks like he's beginning to say it's going to happen from another place. You can never get around the providential hand of God. God has divine purposes to be accomplished in this world. God accomplishes his purposes through people. God will accomplish his purpose even if his servants refuse and obey his will. If we refuse to obey the will of God, he will either abandon us, get someone else to do it, and we'll lose our reward, or he will discipline us until we do it. God is like that. Interestingly, the Lord is always someone ready to call on if you don't want to do what the Lord calls you to do. He always comes. And I can prove that in many, many, many ways. The simplest way I can prove it, we're all sitting here at prayer time. And you've heard me say this before. We're all sitting here at prayer time. And I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, the Lord puts in my mind somebody that I need to pray for. And I'm sitting there, and I don't pray for that person. And a couple of the people pray, and it's still on my mind that I pray for that person, but I don't pray for them. All of a sudden, out of left field, somebody begins to pray for that person that I didn't pray for. It's almost like the Lord's saying, you don't want the reward? I'll give it to somebody else. He always has somebody there. Lord is not slack. He always has somebody there to do what he wants us to do. You can either do it and get rewarded, or you can do it and not. It's your choice. He'll never force you to do it. He may discipline you for a while to see if he can get you to do it, but it's your choice. You gotta want to do it when he calls you to serve him. There's nothing like it in the entire world to serve him. I told you about the time I came home from a retreat and I was up in my apartment, up, up in our apartment in Ocean City on the second floor. And the Lord kept on telling me, go down and talk to your neighbor. Tell him Jesus loves him. No, go down and talk to your neighbor and tell him Jesus loves him. No, I'm not going. Well, this went on for about an hour and a half or so. And finally I said, okay, I'll go. But if I walk down there and he's not out on the porch, I'm not knocking on the door. I'll go down there, but if he's not on the porch, I'm not knocking on the door. It was kind of springtime, kind of warm, you know. Go down, go down, go down. Okay. So I went downstairs, and I walked out there, and there he is sitting on the porch. I went, oh, you pussy. And I walked over, and he was looked like he was real low, real down. I said, I'm here with a message. He looked at me. He said, really? I said, yeah, I'm here to tell you Jesus loved me. And he just broke down, started crying. Oh my gosh. It was, if that wasn't the Lord's setup. But I argued with him for a while until he got me to do it. Now, he probably could have had somebody else to do it if I chose not to do it. I have some scriptural examples of that. John Mark left the ministry and Paul got Silas and then eventually Timothy and the gang, didn't he? God had them in waiting. God had them in waiting, ready to go when it was time. Jonah ran from doing God's will, didn't he? And God disciplined him. God disciplined him to doing God's will. He got swallowed by a giant fish. They think it might have been a whale. And after three days, he did stink. Oof. And the whale vomited him up. And he said, Ugh, okay. So you know, a lot of people probably said, okay, we'll, 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 we'll go to the crowd. Stay away from us. We don't want you smelling. I don't know. So, See, this Xerxes character, Hazarus, was the world ruler. And there wasn't any physical or logical solution to their problem. There could have been no help from anyone but the Lord. The Lord was the only one here that could help them. No one else could help them. Mordecai also points out perhaps God had made the queen just for this purpose. He points this out for such a time as this. He made Hester 
queen for this particular time. Her being in that place at that time, that the Lord's hand had been set on her for a very, very long time and arranging her to be an instrument of his, so his hand in the deliverance for his people. Think about it. Was she accidentally born beautifully? Did she accidentally win the contest? Did she accidentally become queen? Nothing takes God by surprise. Nothing takes God by surprise. Could it be that no matter what situation you are in, no matter what position you are in in work, no matter what position you're in in your relationship, in your family, in your friends, here at church, wherever you may be, there's no matter what it is, could you be here for such a time as this? Think about it. There's no coincidence in God's kingdom. No coincidence whatsoever in God's kingdom. You're here for such a time as this. Whether it be your work, wherever, wherever. All that build up. Think of your life before Christ. All that was used to get you to come to Christ. All that was used for such a time as this. And here you are at a Bible study, learning about God. Nothing's wasted in God's kingdom. Everything has a purpose. And God uses everything according to his purpose. And we love to say, and he works all things together for good, for those that love him are the called according to his purpose. But the scripture before that says, and we know. We're supposed to know that he does that. So he's using all things. He used my sin for his good. It got me to come to him. He uses all things in the kingdom. And everybody. Esther has resolve. She's touched. She sees the gravity of the, pro- of the problem. She, she understands what's happening now. Mordecai has finally gotten through to her. Mordecai has gotten through to her, and, and, and he's told her, this is it. We got no place to go. You're our last hope. Now, again, there's no mission of God. There's no mission of the Lord here, but it's inferred in some ways. Let's finish the chapter. 15 through 17. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Notice there's no prayer. Fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days or night and day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. Here it is. And if I perish, I perish. Wow. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. Now she's acting like a queen. Now she's acting like a child of God. She puts her life on the line for her people. Notice that even though she solicits a fast, there's still no mention of prayer. And aren't we glad that the Lord is still in control even when we don't do our part? I'm so happy that the Lord is still in control even when I fail to do my part. He's still working things out together for good even when I fail to do what I'm supposed to do. I do think Esther was submitting to the will of God. It reminds me of someone, reminds me of the Apostle Paul, when he was talking to the Ephesian elders back in chapter 20, 20 of the book of Acts. This is what he said when he told them that he was going to Jerusalem, and they told him not to go. They didn't want him to go because he's been warned. This is what he says in verse 24 of chapter 20. 
But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish the race with joy and the ministry which I received from the, from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of grace of God. He knew what awaited him. Everybody told him what was going on. But he, like Jesus, had his face like a flint towards Jerusalem to accomplish God's will. He knew what God had called him to do. And he was moving steadfast towards that goal, like a flint, just like Jesus had a face like a flint to go to the cross. Nothing deterred Jesus from the cross. Nothing would keep Jesus from the cross. He would go to that cross, even though the fleshly Jesus didn't want to go. He still went when he submitted to God, became obedient to God, even death, death on the cross. So Esther now is faced with this. From a human standpoint of view, everything was against Esther and the success of her mission. The law was against her. Nobody was allowed to interrupt the king. The government was against her for the decree she would be killed. Her sex was against her because the king's attitude towards women. We saw that before. The officers were against her because they aligned themselves with Haman. All this was happening. All this was going on. But God. But God, but God, Romans 8, 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? Who can be against you? What person can stand against you? What can man do to you? Nothing that God wouldn't allow. And if you are killed, you go to be with God. <laughs> you go into heaven. And what we've been studying about, nothing, no one can harm you. For we are all born for such a time as this. And we're sitting here basking in his word, reading it, being built up and, 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 and being strengthened by his Holy Spirit. Who knows what awaits us when we go out our door at this door? Who knows what awaits us when we get in our cars and drive home? Who knows who we'll meet tomorrow? Who knows who we'll meet tonight? Who knows? You'll get a phone call that somebody needs help or somebody's in trouble. Who knows what is going to happen? God does. Because he's in control of all things, but he's called you. He's called you into his own. He's asked you to be faithful to him and trust in him and believe in him and know that he's going to work all things together for good and that he's going to work everything in your life as according to his purpose for you. His purpose for you might be different from the purpose for me, but he's going to do it in your lives and he's going to continue to do it. He's going to continue to work in that. And each of us will be given choices every single day. Sometimes we'll succeed, and yes, sometimes we'll fail. But don't beat yourself up. Don't get down on yourself because you might have failed a specific thing. Remember, God always has people ready to go if you can't do what you need to do. For whatever reason, I have failed many times. I have failed the Lord many, many times. But he keeps giving me more opportunities, and he keeps showing me more things because I've been called for such a time as this. I've been called for this time in my life to do these things according to his purpose. Esther was called by God. She was placed in the palace by God. She was being the queen by God. She was a Jew by God so that he could use her to save his people. God wants to use you too. Don't count yourself short. Just be available. Be fat, faithful, available, and teachable. Be fat. Amen? What do you do when God works miracles in your life? I'll tell you what the Jews did when God used Esther to save them from Haman's evil plot. They feasted. 
Esther 9, 20 through 22 says, And Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, obliging them to keep the 14th day of the month Adar and also the 15th day of the same, year by year, as the days on which the Jews got relief from their enemies, and as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into a holiday that they should make them days of feasting and gladness, days for sending gifts of food to one another and gifts to the poor. How do you celebrate and remember the miracles of God in your life? I hope it's with feasting and celebration. It is through remembering God's work that we hold on to faith in the hard times. You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Pastor Dave is making his way through the book of Esther, a story of God's miraculous salvation of his people, a story to be celebrated and remembered in the dark times. A Sure Hope is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Do you live in the area? We'd love to see you. Head over to assurehoperadio.com right now to find our location and service times. Once again, that's assurehoperadio.com. We'll be looking for you this weekend. And with that, we've come to the end of our time. Please come back next time as Pastor Dave continues through the book of Esther on Assure Hope. You've rescued us.